We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. You know, we're living in more crisis today than we've lived in in our lifetimes. And let me just throw out 10 uh, crisis that have just come on us, say, in the past couple of years. First, the pandemic, and it's caused all of this um, activity emotionally, and uh, it, it's been a difficult thing. And uh, so adults and children, a lot of people, emotional problems, and, uh, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists' office are filled up. You can't get an appointment for two or three months in most cases. And so, and then there's the controversy over vaccines and uh, uh, mass schooling, unemployment, all of these things. Everything's been shaken. And then employee shortages and then health care. And they're saying on the news the other night that, that deferred um, treatments are going to fill up the hospitals now that a lot of the COVID patients are out. They said they're still going to have problems because they have deferred treatments. And because of deferred treatments, a lot of people's health has gone downhill. Then there's supply shortages, uh, you, you know, trying to buy an automobile. Uh, I was in a dealership the other day in, in the service department, and the person behind the counter talking to someone else said, parts are hard, hard to get parts these days. And then there's energy shortage, uh, inflating the costs of gasoline, oil, gas, all of those things. Then grocery shortages, and, uh, you know, that's likely to increase with this convoy of hope with the truckers going to Washington DC now and the highest inflation rate in 40 years and humanitarian crisis because of Russia's invasion of the Ukraine so as a believer as a Christ follower what's your point of view toward crisis how are you dealing with crisis how are we leading our children with crisis? How are we talking to people who talk to us about crisis? I think we really need to understand where we are. And we need to take this point in time and not allow crisis to come upon us, but for us to come upon crisis. For us to bring something to the table and understand, look, God is not surprised by all we're going through. And he's with us. I said he's with us. Somebody got in it. He's with us. And if you're sitting here today and something is, is affecting you and, and you're feeling difficulty and everything, get in your Bible, get on your knees. And I know praying's not great for me. It's not easy for me. It's a battle of the flesh. And if you're great at that and it's so easy to you, I think you're abnormal. Just joking. Maybe. <laughs> but are you staying positive? Come on, it's, it's not easy to do. But we need to be positive. And if ever the world needed somebody to be positive, it needs to be those people that walk out of the churches all over the land. The big grassroots movement that God has. And so I want to just stir us up a little bit today and cause us to think. I, I want to tell you a quick story about Habakkuk. Now, they don't have this because I added it later, and they're happy that I just added it later. Anyway, so I'm just going to take you through the book of Habakkuk, uh, an Old Testament prophet, and uh, he's really in crisis, and his nation is in crisis, and everything's going wrong. And when you read this, it kind of sounds like everything back to the riots in the streets and uh, the lawlessness that we've seen in the... Uh, 
in our world, in our court systems, everything else. But here's what happened. Habakkuk complained to the Lord, and he says, how long? Now, now think about this. You've been like this. I've been like this. We might as well admit it. But he said, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not answer. Uh, listen, violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Whenever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. And there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so the injustice has become perverted. And then the Lord replies to him. The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. And what God's saying here is, why don't you take my point of view? For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. And so Habakkuk realizes the problem. And what God has said in here in a bunch of verses is, I'm bringing in these horrible people and they're going to come in and run right over you guys and you're going to hurt. You know, he just got all of that. And then Habakkuk comes back and he, uh, he comes back and he says, Oh Lord my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. Oh Lord our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us. To punish us. For our many sins. I'm going to tell you there are times where God has to clean up the house. God has to take care of business. And he's doing this in that nation. And Habakkuk the prophet is, is just, he's dealing with all this crisis. Why can't anything, where are you God, why don't you listen? And then he realizes we're getting corrected and punishment's coming. And there's not a thing we can do about that. And so Habakkuk positions himself. And this is something we need to learn to do. We need to understand. We need to pray. We need to read the word. We need to understand. There are things that will come to pass. Now let me give you the good news. God said they come to pass, not to stay. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to stay, but they'll come to pass. And we don't like while they're passing. But they will pass. And that's a good thing to remember. You know, in any situation, just remember, it comes to pass. And so Habakkuk positions himself for correction. And he says this, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. When crisis comes, it's, it's not unmanageable. It's a matter of we have to step into it and determine what is God doing here? What's God trying to uh, affect here? How do I play a role in this? Do I have a responsibility? Is my act going to get cleaned up? And we have to understand this is good stuff. I said it's good stuff. <laughs> it really is. And, and so here he goes on. To, then the Lord answered me and said. And listen to this. After all of this frantic thing he's been through. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision. We need to get vision when we're in these situations. We've got to understand where God is in these situations. We need to know what we're supposed to do in these situations. And I mean, you know, we're family, we've got children, all of these things. And, and I'm not talking about you rising up and doing something, you know, where, where you're 
the lights are on you, you're on, on the platform. No, I'm talking about just in your everyday walk. Do the right thing. Teach kids pray. Kids, we're following the Lord. We're not certain exactly what's going on, but we know he's in charge. We're just going to stick with him. If you can do those simple things, and you'd be astounded at what that does for your children. And also what it does for you when you say that, and you're thinking, yeah, that's right. That's what we do do. We don't just say it, we do it. And so he, the, the Lord says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him. But listen, but the just shall live by his faith. And we need to exhibit faith in these situations. And so Habakkuk prays and he says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time, listen to what he says here. In this time of our deep need, help us again. We need to remember God has been with us. And when we come into crisis, he's still with us. And we need to call out, Lord, help me again. And so the prophet says, help us again as you did in the years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. In your anger, remember your mercy. God has to take care of his house. But he's merciful. And listen to Habakkuk's ending statement. These are the last three verses in the book. And it's a 15-minute read. Go home and read the whole book. It's good for us. Uh, he says this. This is what he has settled on. This is his resolve. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms. Now, he's talking about your 401k. He's talking about your paycheck. These, they were agricultural type people. And, and so he's talking about everything's gone bad here. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the field, I mean, imagine all this, and the cattle barns are empty. And then he says this, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And that's where we've got to go. When you get in the middle of crisis and you don't know what to do, it's like King Jehoshaphat when uh, a half a dozen kings or so ganged up and they were coming after King Jehoshaphat. And it, the scripture says that he didn't know what to do. And then he prayed and he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. And we've got to look to the Lord in these situations and understand. And then he closes it out with this. And he says, he makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. Triumph over tragedy. And so here he... he gets his understanding, he knows what to do, and he knows at the end, even though everything else, everything is bad, nothing is right, in the end, it's going to be good. And God's going to raise me up. And I'm going to stand on the heights. And so, in the New Testament, we come to, uh, you know, the right point of view. Jesus was giving his disciples God's point of view to the things to come. So Jesus has stopped with his disciples. He's explaining to them things that are going to happen. Now if Jesus says it's going to happen, what do you think? It's going to happen. And so, but, but the bad thing here is that Peter took it wrong. 
And Jesus called him out on it. In Matthew 16, 21 through 23, says, Jesus says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary. Everybody say, it was necessary. It was necessary. Jesus told them, this is necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside. Now, envision this. Jesus is telling this to his disciples. And he says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go there. It's going to be terrible. I'm going to suffer at the hands of religious leaders. I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, I'm going to raise from, from the dead. But this is necessary. But Peter, it says, he took him aside and began to reprimand him. Took him aside and began to reprimand him and for saying such things. And he says, heaven forbid, Lord. This will never happen to you. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now think about this. Whoa, Jesus has called out Peter right there in front of all of the other disciples. It seems crass. It's so public. But just a few verses earlier, Peter had a heaven-sent revelation in answer to Jesus' question. In Matthew 16, 15 through 19, it says, Then he, Jesus, asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, You are the Messiah. And he's got the revelation. He knows who Christ is. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You're blessed, Peter, on uh, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. It wasn't Peter, it was his revelation. Uh, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus is praising. Peter, you got it. You heard from the Lord. You didn't get this from man. And I'm going to build my, rock, uh, my church on this, upon this rock, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And uh, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And uh, whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And, and so here Peter has been praised. But now uh, Jesus is saying you're blessed. All of these things. And then all of a sudden he's not blessed. Jesus is upset. Things are not going well. <laughs> Peter, tell me, thinking of a dive. You know, he's got a revelation, and just hours later, he's now he's Satan. <laughs> Come on, that's what the scripture said. We're, we're not overdoing it here. And you think you have bad days. <laughs> but there's hope in this. I mean, if Peter can go through this, so can we. But the point is, God is always going to make his point. God has a point of view. And if you want your life to, to go in the right direction, if you want to have some peace, if, if you want to get away from the struggle, if you want to stop worrying and fretting and, and being anxious and all of these things, get God's point of view. Understand. And even if you don't seem to know how each point goes, you just need to know God's got one. 
He's not without one. And I'm just going to lean into that. I want to tell you, I've leaned in all of my life. You know, a lot of times we, it sounds so eloquent when we talk about different things and successes and all that. But I'll tell you how you get there. You get there one step at a time. And you're not even certain what you're doing sometimes, but you take another step. And you just keep on moving along. And don't let anybody paint rosy pictures. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. Prayer is not easy. But God's got a plan. And so here, Peter is going through all of this. And just think about it. This is the guy who would preach the first sermon in the New Testament church. This is the disciple who would walk on water. This is the guy whose shadow would heal the sick. This is the guy who would write books of the Bible. And this is the guy who would be crucified upside down. Peter. But suddenly, Peter went from being blessed to being blessed out. And so, you know, you think about what the other disciples are thinking. They're like, you were great a few minutes ago, but not so good right now. And you flopped from a revelation to satanic point of view. And uh, you went from a building block to a dangerous trap. And some of the virgins, versions of the Bible, instead of dangerous traps, Jesus said, you're a stumbling block to me. And some of them, other versions say, you're an offense to me. And so, we just need to understand that uh, we've got to have God's point of view. And oftentimes when we find ourselves in trouble, it's because we've gotten off track. Like a set of railroad tracks and, you know, God's going straight ahead. We veered off here somewhere. And, and so, uh, you know, we've got to get away uh, from, from doing that. And uh, Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. So Peter was seeing from, uh, was not seeing from God's point of view. I mean, just think, salvation required Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. Uh, the sinless blood of Christ had to be shed. Christ had to die and be raised from the dead. The words of the prophets had to be fulfilled. The world was watching. Jesus couldn't let Peter's point of view slide. You know, sometimes you're in conversation, somebody say something, wasn't too cool, but you're like, I'm not going to make an issue of it, just let it slide. No. Jesus is never going to let it slide when it comes down to God's point of view. If, if we're not in God's point of view, how are we going to be in God's plan? How are we going to be in God's heaven if we never followed his point of view? And so Jesus just couldn't let it slide. God's point of view cannot be changed for man's sensitivities. The theologian and commentator Matthew Henry writes this about that subject. He says, those who have their spiritual senses exercised. My iPad decided to take a break. <laughs> those who have their spiritual senses exercised will be aware of the voice of Satan even in a friend, a disciple, a minister that dissuades them from their duty. We must not regard who speaks so much as what is spoken. And you think about that. And in our situations, truth always needs to be upheld. And if mistruth is spoken, well then it needs to be corrected. Now, it's an interesting thing. People with a good spirit gladly receive that kind of correction. Listen to what the psalmist David said about this. In Psalm 141 verse 5, he says, Let the godly strike me. It will be a kindness. 
If they correct me, it is soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. But I pray constantly against the wicked and their deeds. Why? Because God's purpose is our pathway to destiny. If you want to, if you want to reach your destiny, get on God's pathway. And His pathway is designed on your purpose. Follow your purpose. Know your purpose. Understand. Get involved and be active in the kingdom. I mean, purpose founded Metro Church. Purpose directed our steps. Anti-Christian folk couldn't thwart God's purpose. And now, now I say that because had we not been on God's purpose, we would have been gone long ago. A number of people tried that. I mean, people made some accusations. I had prophecies that I was found in my study laying in a pool of blood dead. I mean, people said all kinds of uninspiring things over the years. You missed that. Uninspiring things over the years. But we knew we had a purpose. No pun intended, but we walked one day at a time with God's point of view in mind. It's important to know that viewpoint is the main point. Your point of view determines your destination. So, what created Peter's human point of view? He was thinking carnally, not spiritually. Romans 8, verses 6 through 8. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. And it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. This was Peter's problem. He was seeing what Jesus said about Jesus going and suffering and dying and all of that. He was seeing that from a human perspective. He empathized with the physical pain and the agonizing death. He allowed human relationship, listen to this, to override spiritual relationship. And I'll tell you, pastoring, you see people do this. They'll give in to a friend. They'll give in to a family and allow that human relationship to overrule what the Spirit's trying to do in their life. There are times where you have to just be nice but take a stand. you got to follow the Lord. And the Scripture has plenty to say about that. We don't have to hate other people to love God. We just need to love God. Be kind to other people, but love God. Stay with Him. And this so speaks to our need uh, for worship. And I want to just say this. I think that a lot of us would be a lot stronger if we didn't focus so much on praying so much until we have worshipped so much. Because worship does something for you. And prayer is tough. You got to kill your flesh. You got to take your time. You've got to talk to somebody that doesn't audibly speak back. That's not easy stuff. But if you worship, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy name. If we do that before we pray, because that's a process of appreciating what he's done, valuing who he is. And so, we need to do that and pray, but, but it's so important that we keep our spiritual life strong. And it only happens through worship, prayer, Bible, and fellowship. We need to be in church. You know, it's nice to sit on the couch sometimes and when we have to do that, but you can't do anything outside the church like you can do it in the church. And so, you know, 
He hallowed the kingdom of, of this world, or he allowed the kingdom of this world to take precedence over the kingdom of God. And Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. You've got to keep it number one. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. We try to run get it. We, we're just going to circumvent God and we're just going to go after it. And it's so, so foolish. It doesn't work. We never get there. And we dishonor God if we do that. Uh, by trying to save Jesus' life, Peter would have sabotaged it. If Jesus had stood by, if he had listened to Peter. And remember, Jesus is having to fight his own battle. And so, what was God's point of view Jesus wanted Peter to see? He wanted him to see that his suffering, death, and resurrection were necessary. That Jesus was committed to submit to this process. And sometimes we have to allow people to go through things. Part of our children growing and maturing is that sometimes we have to step back. Sometimes if they decide they don't want to listen and, you know, we try and we try, but then you say, okay, well, you know, experience will bring that lesson to you. And, and we've all been through that ourselves. And so Jesus was committed to the process uh, that Jesus is sinless blood as the Lamb of God had to be sacrificed to ransom the world. And that Jesus must fulfill the prophecies about himself. All of these things had to come to pass. That Jesus wanted to glorify his father. Listen to this conversation. When Jesus is nearing, uh, drawing near to his suffering and death. In John 12 verses 27 and 28. He said, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say, Father? What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Jesus is... You know, he's starting to... It's not pleasant what he's getting ready to go through. Awful. Worst thing ever. Nobody else ever had it this bad. And he's looking at it. And he says, Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? He says, But for this purpose, I came to this hour. This is why I'm here. This is the pinnacle of, of all that is happening. And in verse 28, he says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Here we understand why Jesus was so hostile to Peter's human point of view. For this purpose, I came to this hour. Jesus called Peter's point of view a dangerous trap because it was a temptation for Jesus to yield to his flesh, not to his spirit. And it's so vital that we see our life spiritually from God's point of view. And you, you, you have to understand. You have to know. You've got to own it. God has a point of view for me. He's got the general point of view that's for the body of Christ. But then he's got a purpose. And I need to find that and fulfill that. So here, let me give you seven questions that we can ask ourselves to help us see from God's point of view. Number one, does it raise his kingdom above all else? Seek first his kingdom. Number two, is it guided by God's word alone? We don't need another book. Don't need, it's God's word alone. Number three, 
Is it rooted in Christ-like love? Number four, is it building his kingdom? If we ask ourselves these questions, we'll leave out a lot of things in life. Number four, is it building his kingdom? Number five, is it diametrically opposed to Satan? It's a good question. Satan going to hate this? Good. Get this on the list. <laughs> Number six, does it glorify God's name? That's what Jesus said, glorify. He said, I have and I'll do it again. Does it glorify God's name? And number seven, is it to die for? You know, we've seen it on TV. Nigeria, they'll execute Christians. If you don't deny Christ, they'll execute you. How many of us could kneel and take it? Come on, you got to get real. Things are coming in the future. And this is a positive message, by the way. If you don't know this in the end, is it to die for? Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to their works. Jesus wants us to have God's point of view to accomplish God's great plan for our life. Hebrews 12.2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy, everybody say joy. This is, this is so important. Because of the joy, say it with me. Because of the joy. If you want to live your life, if you want to get through your battles, if you want to overcome your struggles, keep your eyes on the joy. That's, it's that simple. Jesus did that because of the joy. Oh, it's a young Christian and I would read about Christ and what he suffered and the misery and the torture and, and all of that. And I think, how did he do that? And then I read this verse. Because he had his eyes on the joy. You got to see right over top of your problem. And see the joy that's on the other side of it. And you need to do that in everything in life. When you're dealing with your, your children or your job or whatever. You all, God has something on the other side. This crisis is temporary. It's coming to pass. Not to stay. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross. Disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, Jesus never lost his father's point of view. He used the joy awaiting him to help him to endure. We have to endure the hardships that come our way. And the joy that is on the other side. In all our crisis, 
we can have Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's resolve. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they have those mountain goats and they can stand on the side of, I mean, it's just phenomenal to see them be able to do that. And that's what they were referring to. They could stand at places that none of their adversaries could ever get to them. They stood in the high places. Today, I just want to leave you with, with these thoughts and, and uh, to encourage you that you can stand in the high places no matter how bad the situation is. And you start that by standing with the Lord. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer in a moment. But have you made your mind up? Have you decided God has a point of view and he has one for me? The Bible says that he does. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.